Some of you guys uh, know uh, Libby, Libby Van Opstel. She has been a part of our church for, for years. She served as a part of our staff overseeing the warming center for a while. Last Saturday, uh, her mom, who was diagnosed with cancer, uh, about three months ago, two and three months ago, passed away. And, uh, um, and so um, this past Friday was the wake, and Saturday morning was the funeral. And I had an opportunity to go to the wake and spend some time uh, with Libby. Um, you know, as I was, as I was talking to them, um, and I've heard this so much in the last year, year and a half, that I have to share with you. As I was talking to them, you know, they both looked at me and they said, we wouldn't be able to go through this, Pastor Peter, if it wasn't for our church family. So we would not be able to go through this without our church. I can't tell you how often I've heard that in the last year, year and a half. As people have gone through some horrendously difficult things in their marriage, in their personal lives, and their families. I am always saying this to you. Community, fellowship, family. It's like walking around breathing. We rarely walk around appreciative of the air that we breathe. The time we appreciate the air that we breathe is when you're underwater. The moments in which you come to appreciate and acknowledge community fellowship, group of people, is when you're emotionally under. And you can't breathe. Here's the thing. But if you do not have community built in, when you are underwater, it's too late. It's too Walking around, things are great. My life is going fine. Work is working out the way it's supposed to. I don't have any family members who are dying of cancer, all that stuff. That's where you are right now, a lot of you. Walking around, things are great. So community, take it or leave it. Being committed to a group of people doing life together, take it or leave it. Nah. Then you find yourself underwater. And you know what a lot of people do in our church? They go, this church, nobody cares about me. I'm gone. And then they float from church. To church, to church. Never ever finding, being committed to. <sighs> if you're sitting there and your life is great and things are going okay, no highs, no lows, you're just sitting there, you don't have community, take this as a, a warning shot. Because it's not if. It's a matter of when. It's a matter of when. And the only person that may be stopping you from being a part of the community and being committed to a group of people, it may not be other people. It may be us. Is this ringing true to anybody? Yeah, yeah. For some of you that are going through some tough stuff, of course. 
course. So we go from a very heavy introduction to a heavier sermon. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I laughed at that. It's not funny. Well, it kind of is, but it's not really. Because we're talking about spiritual warfare. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to New Community. We're talking about spiritual warfare. Yep, yep. We're talking about spiritual warfare for the next four, five, six weeks. And, and here's the thing. You know, it's, it's a, to this morning as we were praying together before we do you know, the service, as, as a group of people do, like eight people prayed for me specifically. I sat there going, <laughs> okay, are they, are they sensing something? I'm not sensing because I normally appreciate, you know, we pray for Pastor Peter, blah, blah, blah. But like eight people. So I'm sitting there going, hmm. And then I realized they're not just praying for me. They're praying for a lot of you who, when we talk about topic of spiritual warfare, your response is one of, what? Or topic of devils and demons and angels, what? Or, frankly, for some of us who are scared to death of devils and demons and Satan. And we'd rather just have them leave us alone. I won't bother you. Don't bother me. And some of you sitting there going, man, you know, I've been coming for a little bit, and you seem like a fairly intelligent guy. You actually believe in that stuff? Oh, yes. Uh, the Bible says, this is the reason why I love movies like Lord of the Rings and other movies, because the Bible portrays something that our culture, I think, innately resonates with. And there is a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light that are at war. Forces, principalities that are at war to rule the world that we live in. There's more than what meets the eye. That there are spiritual forces at work in you right now, in me right now. And furthermore, this is kind of scary. The Bible says that there's nobody here that's on. I'm neutral. Neutral ground. Not allied to that. Not allied to that. No, 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 no. The Bible says two kingdoms. And check this out. There are two humanities who are in the service of the two kingdoms. That means you are in the kingdom of darkness in the service of the kingdom of darkness where you're in the kingdom of light and in the service of the kingdom of light. To which some of us go, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, look, I'm not a radical Christian or anything like that, but no, I don't serve Satan. I don't serve the devil. Check this out. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that his ultimate aim, Satan's, is to neutralize you. That is for you to be a Christian in name. And completely be inactive in working towards God's kingdom. Do you know that? See, the, the problem is, like, half of us, I don't know, I, I did that. Half of us, I don't mean just these two, half of us. <laughs> the kingdom of darkness and the king. I was going to do that. Half of us, half of us do this. Check this out. Half of us don't even realize that sin is a l narcotic. What I mean by, you know what sin is? Sin is, take it easy. Moderation in all things. Don't get so serious about the Christian life. Convenience, comfort, nice house, nice girlfriend, nice wife, nice kids. The American dream, house, fence, yard, 
Although those of us that live in the city were like a yard. What's that, right? Yard. Remember green grass patches? Some of you know. Grew up in the suburbs. We're like the American tree. Some of us don't realize you've been knocked out of this battle, man. You know why? Because just taking it easy. No warring. No fighting. Just life. Just life. And then, and then, and then I get an email like this, right? <laughs> From a fella that I mentored, Stephen Sharkey, he was on our staff. You know, he's out in Boston trying to plant the church. So this was before their first preview service, which is kind of, you know, doing a service to invite people. This is what he wrote me at, what time was this? It was like almost at midnight. He said this, he said, things got weird last night, Peter. And you got to understand, Stephen Sharkey, he's not one of those, hachoo, we cast that Satan in the name of Jesus. He's not like that. He's not seeing devils and demons behind everything. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys that's very level-headed, even keel. He says, things that we last night. Kathleen experienced a spiritual attack. About an hour after she had been asleep, she woke up and felt really nervous and felt all kinds of pressure holding her down. We prayed out loud for a while, rebuked Satan, and we read Scripture. Then Tyler, four-year-old son, started waking up four times throughout the night, and he says, this never happens. Tyler was crying and afraid. In the morning, I asked him why he woke up, and he just said, uh, the snake lady was in my room. Tonight, he needed some encouragement to go back in bed. <laughs> and he said this. He said, Mommy, Daddy, bad things happen when it's dark. And he says, all of that was a new experience. And Tyler had never said anything like that before. Yikes! Any thoughts, Peter? Yeah, dude. One, you're about to be used by God powerfully. And number two, Expect more of it. See, now, this is freak some of you out. Can I just give me like three minutes to address those of you that are going, Satan's demons, that's stupid. Okay, let me say four things. Let me say four things. Number one, you might be simplistic. What do I mean? You go, well, the whole belief in supernatural miracles, come on, man, I don't believe in that stuff. Can I just say this to you? Listen, very carefully. If you say, I don't believe in that stuff, what you're saying is essentially that the universe is a closed system. Closed system, meaning supernatural miracles, those kinds of things don't happen in this world. And you go, you're a person of faith. That's why you believe in that stuff. Listen very carefully. To disbelieve in the supernatural is a faith assumption. To disbelieve that miracles could actually happen is a faith assumption. You can't prove in the non-existence of miracles. You can't prove the non-existence of the supernatural. You can't do it. So here's the deal. You could say, you believe in the supernatural, but you can't say, you believe in the supernatural. I don't believe in the supernatural. Why? Because you're a person of faith, and I'm not. Yours is a faith assumption to say, there is no such thing as supernatural. Now, this was like to two of you. We're sitting there going, I understood exactly what he was talking about. Let me say one more. Why are you constantly doubting everybody except yourself? You know what the first step to faith is? 
doubt your own doubts? Why doubt anything and everybody except when it comes to you and what you believe? Doubt your doubts. Secondly, you might be culturally narrow. What do I mean? This acceptance of the supernatural is fairly common in the world all around us. Hello? For those of us living in America, in the West, in certain parts of Europe, we're like, that's nonsense. But vast majority of the world says they exist and they're real. So let's not be cultural snobs. Like, we Americans in the West know everything and they don't. Third, do you believe in a supernatural good? You believe in the existence of God? Could it be possible that there's also supernatural evil? And the existence of Satan demons. And lastly, do you like Jesus? Do you love Jesus? You go, I love stuff he said. Love your neighbor. Serve. Then what do you do with him going, I saw Satan fall like lightning from sky? What do you do with that? Do you go, I like all of that stuff, but I don't like that. Where's the consistency? All right. So anyway, that was for some reason, supernatural evil. We're going to continue to talk about it, but just think about that. Chew on that for a moment. Here's what the Bible says. Open your Bibles with Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about the reality of this war, reality of this warfare. He says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. By the way, does this sound like this dude is pretty powerful? Do you think Paul is trying to accentuate the fact that don't take him lightly. These are powerful strong forces, beings we're talking about, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. What did we talk about last week? Brief review. Christianity is a fight. Christianity is a fight. That's Paul's entire point right here. Verse 12, when he says, our struggle, the word literally described two soldiers who've put down their shield, put down their sword, and they are literally just with their bare-fisted hands literally trying to kill each other in the mud. This is desperate, face-to-face, close encounter. And Paul says, that's your spiritual life. What do we understand about this? Listen, if you're a Christian, the way that you can tell a genuine Christian a real Christian for someone who is not is with as much warfare and, 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 and conflict in your life as much as there is peace. You could tell a genuine faith by the amount of warfare, conflict, warring in your heart and outside of you in your Christian life as much as there is peace. Listen, one of the biggest for me fallacies of the Christian life here in America is that we believe peace, peace, peace is the ultimate barometer of all things. 
So that when we experience peace, we go, we're in the center of God's will. And when we don't experience peace, we're not. Where do you get that from? I know there are a handful of pastors that talk about having peace with God and, and we should have peace and all that stuff. But listen, do you think when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane about to fulfill the perfect will of God, he's in there going, peace. I just have so much peace. Look at the picture. He is weeping. He is crying. He is struggling with doing the ultimate will of God. Some of y'all are just, oh, I have peace about it. You may have peace about it because you may be exactly outside the will of God. Or, Man, I'm struggling. This is hard. This is struggling. This is painful. This is, this, uh, there's spiritual exertion. This is, it may be. You're exactly where God wants you to be. I don't want to mess you up too much, but, so use that principle when you're praying about, should I date that person? Should I not? Oh, I have so much peace. It may not be where God wants you to be. Versus, I don't know. Wait. Ministry. In all things. Just think about it. Think about it. Christianity is a fight. Is there any fight about you? I said this last week. Is there any fight about you? Is there spiritual exertion in your life right now? Is there watching? Is there worrying? Anybody who's got any spiritual life in him or her is alert and awake to the war, to the battle that is waging for your heart, for your soul. Matter of fact, can I take a step further? And then I'll just wrap this up. Let me take a step further. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, here's what we find. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice came from heaven and said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am pleased. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That word then literally is more like therefore. What do we find? Ah, what do we find? Listen, spiritual baptism. Therefore, spiritual battle. Water, refreshment. Therefore, desert parched. Comfort from God, assurance from God, security in God. Therefore, war, battle, attacks. Are you hearing me? See, many of us, we're like, when war, conflict, when things happen outside of us, inside of us, we go, what's going on? Am I not in the God's, center of God's will? What am I doing? When in fact, what the Bible is saying is, you may precisely be exactly where God wants you to be and led by the Spirit, therefore, battle, desert, attack. How's your life? How's my life? pretty comfortable <laughs> you know i thought about this i'm sorry i'm gonna go on this rant for like two three more minutes like, i thought about this i'm like what's the normal christian life and i realized i don't think i can gauge what a normal christian life by what a typical american christian looks like what's normal christian life i'm not saying i have all the answers to what normal christian life but i do know this if my life is only about convenience, comfort, life of ease, luxury, things exactly the way I wanted to. Maybe 
just maybe it's not in accordance with what Scripture says. How are you doing? How am I doing? Is there warring? Is there exertion? Is there a fight about you? Remember the example that I gave last week? The best example I can give is when I first became a Christian. Do you remember when you first became a Christian? Do you remember how much fight there was about you? You know what I mean? Like you're like, I never got up early in the morning and prayed. And now all of a sudden, I want to get up in the morning and prayed. And that, that alarm goes off and you're like, duh, duh, like 10 times. But you sit there going, I have to get up. Remember the fight? And you remember also temptations that you struggle with? Do you remember when you became a Christian? It's not like they all went away. But do you remember the fight, the warring, and when you gave in temptation? Do you remember feeling, oh, how is that now? What's it look like now? Yeah, everybody does it. I can't help it. That's what Satan wants you to believe. What's your life look like? What's my life look like? I'm preaching to myself this morning. You know, I'm going, Peter, wake up. Wake up, man. You don't think Satan is at work? Listen to me. You know what Satan does? He is just setting you up and me. He's really, he's been around for thousands of years. He's very patient. He knows your habits. He knows, he knows your habits. He can't read your mind because he's not omniscient. He knows, he watches you very carefully. And he is in the process of setting you up for a trap that will result in maximum destruction. And we just, you know, Christian life. I'm really thankful. Actually, a lot of you guys came back from last Sunday. I really am. I'm not saying this just like flippantly or try because I'm convinced that you are sitting there right now, and there are a lot of you who are like, I'm convinced. You might not do that physically, but I'm convinced internally. This is a struggle for you right now. And I've been praying for you, and you've been praying for me. This is critical three, four weeks we're going to be going through. All right. Christianity, real Christianity, is a fight. Now, let me just say a couple things, and then then we need to move on. As I mentioned last week, the warfare we're involved in, we already know what what the outcome is. Amen? Amen? (laughs) The Bible says that Jesus already declared the outcome. We already know what the outcome is. We may lose battles, but we know how the war ends. You know, that's that's the boring thing about this movie. We know how this movie ends. (laughs) There's no mystery. Listen to what Jesus said in Colossians uh, 2.14. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. In verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. To which God's people said, oh, this, hello, to which God's people said, amen, this is good news. However, balance. Let's not just be all about victory in Jesus when we keep doing the same thing over and over Let's not go victory in Jesus when we do the same thing over and over. He's wise like that. He's smart. 
He's smart. I told you guys last week, Satan doesn't appear in red jumpsuit with a tail and a pitchfork going, ha, 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 He doesn't. As we'll see today, he lies. Check this out. Real Christianity is a multidimensional fight. Real Christianity is a fight with the devil. Let me do some doctrinal teaching real quick, and then, and then, and then, and then we'll get into his who he is, the nature of the enemy. So the Bible says this. The Bible says that when God created the world, he created two races of beings. He created angels and he created human beings. Listen very carefully. Evil is a result of these two fallen races of beings and what they do. The race of angels, here's what happened. Isaiah tells us that Lucifer was his name, God's chief angel, worship leader. Hello, beautiful this is the reason why the Bible says that Satan doesn't appear in a red jumpsuit. He appears, listen to this, as an angel of light. Do you know that? He comes whispering like a friend. That's why all of us are like, is that him? Oh, it sounds familiar. It's angel of light. So listen to this. Satan falls. Because he wants to be like God. And when he fell, Revelation 14 tells us that a third of the angels fell with him. In other words, a third of the angels said, Satan, God, we go with you, Satan. The second race of beings that fell, obviously, is human beings. And we see that in Genesis 3. So here's how Satan is at work in our world today. He's not omniscient or omnipresent. Satan can't be everywhere. It's a third of his angels, demons, devils, who are at work. What the Bible says happens is Satan takes the things that's within us, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Things that are within us as a result of our sin, the self-centeredness, the pride, the ego, the insecurity, the selfishness, desire to be God. And he aggravates it, and he accentuates it, and the result is evil and justice. That's why, and we'll talk about this more last week, you can't go, it's the devil's fault, he made me do it. No, 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 no. He is definitely at work. But you and I make conscious decisions and choices in which he works. It is the dangerous thing of all dangerous thing to go. The devil made me do it. Because if you do that, you'll never take him seriously. It's also dangerous obviously, to go, it's all me. It's all me. We do not war against flesh and blood. It's my husband. Are you serious? For those of you that are in marriage, do you sometimes look back and go, you must be a child of Satan. Because I can't, you sometimes go, don't you sometimes fight? And you walk away going, what was that? What was that? You go, this is like we were in a fog. Why did I say that to you? I don't know why you said this to me. Why did I say that to you? We said, going, it's more than flesh and blood. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Married couples? Satan is at war. That's how Satan works. Now, what's his primary weapon? Oh, this is huge, you guys. His name literally, the devil, means diabolos. Diabolos. And the verb form, diabolos, means to lie and slander. To lie and slander. The main way that Satan works is that he's a liar. That's his main weapon. He's a liar. The ordinary way that Satan gets you to not, get, gets you is not to scare you, but to lie to you. It's not paranormal activity. Get rid of the Hollywood notion of head spinning around. Exorcisms. The way Satan works is he's a liar. He's a deceiver. Think of this imagery. Satan doesn't leave fang marks on your flesh. 
He leaves lies in your heart. Satan does not leave fang marks on your flesh. He leaves lies in your heart. Do you know why? Have you ever heard this term? What you do hollers so loud that I can't hear anything you say. Anybody? Do you know what that means? You may not live what we profess. Very few of us do. We profess, but we really do truly live what we believe. What we believe affects our emotions, and our emotions affect our behavior. Satan and his field of activity is to attack your belief system. This is why when non-Christian says to me, stop trying to change my belief system, I want to go, your entire issues are because of your belief system. Your entire issues are because of your belief system. I'm not saying I'm better than you. Our belief system affects our emotions, and our emotions affect our behavior. Last, last year during my sabbatical, I spent, I spent three full days with the counselor just going. And after the three days, he looks at me and he goes, do you know what your problem is? He says, you are a perfectionist. And your perfectionistic tendencies to which many of you, oh, that's me. Perfectionistic tendencies coupled with an anal retentiveness is killing you and killing everybody around you. Which I said, stop exaggerating, man. And he's like, no, I'm serious. You think perfectionistically and anal retentively, and that's belief system effect. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Let me just bring it down to a couple examples. Say I walk up to uh, Dan and Eddie. Eddie, can you guys stand up for a second? Stand up. So I walk up to these guys. And I just go, you're unlovable. <laughs> I walk away. Dan over here hears me going, you're unlovable. And he goes, what a jerk. It's not true. And he sits down. Eddie, on the other hand, hears me go, you're unlovable. And he goes, it's true. I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not saying you, I'm not saying you feel I am. You know, you know what I'm saying. All right, Eddie. Eddie. I mean, of course, made the mistake of picking out a Korean, you know. <laughs> you can sit down, Heidi. Listen, listen, listen. Their response is, is it what I said? Because if it was what I said, they would respond the same way. It's not what I said that's impacting their behavior. It's what they believe about what I said. Hello. Listen to me. Today, some of you, you're sitting there going, I'm a wreck because of my parents. I'm a wreck because of my parents and what they said. Listen to me. Your parents are not even around anymore. They're gone. They're not saying those things to you anymore. It's not what they said that's made you a wreck. What's made you a wreck is the fact that you believe and continue to believe the lies. Do you know how many people in our church have said to me, my parents wrecked me because they said these things. And I ask them, when's the last time they said that to you? Ten years ago. How is it they're still wrecking your life? You are believing the lie that sunk deep into your heart about what somebody has said. And it has completely changed your belief system. And Satan, you know what he does? John White, John White wrote a book called Christian Counselor. You know what he said? 
When you lift the piano and you sing a note, oh, whatever that note is, the string that's that note starts to vibrate. You know what Satan does? He knows you're insecure. He knows you have deep need for acceptance. He knows your fears. And you know what he does? He comes and basically starts vibrating the string. And when you and I believe it, we give him the notes. Here's Satan. Hit it. Bing. You're insecure. Nobody will love you. Bing. Aren't you afraid? Of course you're not going to go anywhere in life. Bing. Bing. And many of us are sitting here today going, I completely believe everything. He's singing to me. (laughs) Satan can't make a, he can't make a good person bad. He makes a bad person worse. He can't make someone who's confident and secure in Christ insecure. But he will take someone who is insecure because they don't find their foundation in Christ and hit that string. And he knows exactly what to use. Bing, bing, bing. He aggravates what's already in you through lies. You know all Satan is doing? When you and I go, that makes me really insecure. Satan goes, that's because you're insecure. Of course it makes you insecure. I'm really afraid of my future. Of course you're afraid of your future. You should be afraid of your future. He just aggravates the thoughts that are going inside of our heads. A big one, which I'll get to at the end. I can't trust God. Of course you can't trust God. He's not trustworthy. Bing, bing. Can I give you one other one that Satan uses? Okay. By the way, if you're sitting there going, how does he know so much about what Satan says and does? Welcome to. (laughs) Let me just ask, how many of you could relate to what I'm talking about right now? Do you think this is a coincidence? A coincidence, you know? Do you think? I mean, in case you're sitting there going, ah, supernatural. How do you explain Hundreds of people who share nothing in common going, I hear the same thing. Oh, maybe that's because there is something to that. Here's one other big one that I fall into all the time. Check this out. Uh, this is for 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking thought captive, every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Do you know what speculation is? Speculation is when you have limited knowledge or no knowledge about something and you make up an entire scenario about it. Good Lord. Anybody been speculating lately? You know what speculation is? Speculation is, oh, oh, she must think that about me. (laughs) Satan goes, bing, of course she thinks that about you. Look at the way she looks at you. Bing, bing. Oh, he must, he must think that about me. Of course he thinks that about you. He doesn't do it with anybody else. Of course he does. Husbands and wives. Oh, I know he's doing it. I know he's doing that. Oh, I know she's doing that. I know she's. 
speculation. And Satan is loving every moment of it. He's going, bing, 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 bing. Christian's walking around going, oh, he must be there. And how often have you had the thing of actually going up to that person and going, you know, I'm going to humble myself. I've been thinking that you think this way about me. Do you? And that person goes, no. And you feel like an idiot, like, Okay, and they go, why? Oh, no, no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Many of you are sitting here right now, and the reason why you're depressed, discouraged, anxious, worried, has nothing to do with truth, but because of lies and speculation of Satan. And you are going, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Walking around going, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. You walk around going, I'm, nobody's going to love me. Nobody's going to love me. I don't know who told you that. But why are you believing that lie? Some lies and speculation are stupid, you know? Stupid. Like, all men are jerks. All men are jerks? What? Maybe that one was. Oh, all women want control. What? And then they're more serious. Like, nobody will love me. Bing, bing, bing. God can't be trusted. Bang. There are no consequences to sin. Ding, ding. And the, my favorite of them all, if it feels so good, how could it be so wrong? Bing, bing, bing. I'm just exhausted just talking about him right now. But do you see, do you see what it takes to be alert and awake? Gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Are you are you alert? Are you awake? Can we promise to do something as a church family? Can we not allow speculations to function in this church? Do you know that's how he destroys communities? He destroys, oh my goodness. And that's how he destroys marriages. He comes in and he goes, he must think that about you. She's saying that about you. And we believe it and we believe it and we believe it. And Satan has a field day. Result, conflict. Result, no reconciliation, bitterness. Result, anger. We're done. I don't know why I'm feeling led to say this. So I'm going to say this. Some of you are struggling with addictions. A lot of you struggling with addictions. By the way, do you know how often I counsel, I counsel men who are addicted to gambling? And these are wealthy, successful guys. And at the root of it, at the root of it, I'm telling you right, at the root of it, it's not just, well, I just can't help it. At the root of it is there is a lie. Same thing with pornography, anorexia, bulimia. Do you really think it's just a psychological issue? Come on. Are you serious? I'm feeling really burdened right now, but I need to finish this sermon because I need us to pray together. Is that okay? So I say that because I need you to pray for me. I'm going to need you like. Like, you look at me. Can you do two things, chew and go? I need you to, like, pray for me and say, God, just be with Because I'm just, I'm not just being all melodramatic. I'm feeling really tired right now. Really, really tired. 
Every day there's a battle going on for your belief system, which is the reason why I wish I could spend 10 weeks talking about why the Bible says over and over again, mind, transform your mind, fill your mind. Why over and over again the Bible talks about the critical need for the reason why many of us are ill equipped is we don't know the truth, God's word, and we don't pray. Simple as that. Simple as that. We just don't. But what you ultimately believe will affect your emotions, and your emotions will affect your behavior. Let me say this again. What you believe is affecting your emotions right now, and your emotions are affecting your behavior. The biggest one that Satan gets us with, and I want to end with this text that you're familiar with. The biggest speculation and the lie that Satan has me and you wanting to believe is found in Genesis 3. Genesis 3. I'm going to draw out one principle and then we're done. Genesis 3, chapter one, uh, 3, verse 1. I wish I could spend a couple Sundays on this and dig in it more, but i just point out one thing. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, by the way, how does Satan appear to the man and woman? In a red jumpsuit? Does he scare them? What does he do? He lies to them. The woman said to the, uh, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Which wasn't true. He is twisting and undermining God. Verse 2, the woman said to the servant, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. It's really good, Eve. Stop right there. Stop right there. And then she goes on and says, and you also must not touch it. Which God never said. And I'll tell you why she said that in a moment. Or you will die. You will not surely die. Liar. By the way, eventually, (laughs) what I want to get you guys to do, and some people disagree, I talk back to Satan. When the thought comes, I go, you're a liar and you're a murderer. So shut up. I don't do that in front of people. (laughs) please don't do it in front of people (laughs) i just had this vision of one of our church members you're you're at your cubicle in your company and all of a sudden 130 shut up you're a liar and you're a murderer what was that i don't want to get a phone call from your boss okay what the heck are you teaching these people anyway You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Oh, who doesn't want to be like God? Half of us in here think we're God anyway. Knowing good and evil. You know what Satan's doing? This isn't poltergeist. He's undermining, twisting God's word. Satan is, (laughs) he's playing the notes. And strings on Eve's heart. You know what that was? You know what the self-talk was that's going on Eve's heart? Eve's going, why doesn't God want us to eat from the tree? What's he trying to keep from me? What's he trying to hold back? Why is he, why is he, trying, to, why is he trying to put a dent in my joy? What? what, 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 what why would he? Can I, can I trust him? Is he, is he really looking out for my best? What, why? The notes he's playing in your heart? Well, if God was so good and if he was trustworthy, why am I still single? Bing. If God was so good and he was so trustworthy, why did I lose that job? Bing. Bing. If God was so worthy, uh, so, 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 so good and so trustworthy, then, then, then why, why, why am I in this marriage? Bing. 
If God was so worthy, why cancer? Why illness? Why death? Why this? Why now? The primary lie that Satan got them with and he gets us with today is he comes to you and says, you know you can't really trust God. Surrender yourself fully to him. You're done. Your life is done. Trust him with all of your heart. (laughs) You're done. And that opens the door to you and I going, I can't trust him, so I'm going to choose my way in my time. in the way that I want it. Rather than God's way, in God's time, in the way he wants it. Temptation and sin is us opening the door because we can't trust him and going, I'm going to meet that legitimate need that I have that God gave me in an illegitimate way. So I'm not going to wait for you my time. I'm not going to wait for your ways my ways. I'm not going to wait for your doing, my doing. And it unleashes the force of Satan to come and go, there, there. Go for it. Doesn't it feel good? That's what you want. Go for it. There, there. Doesn't, that's what you really, go, go, go ahead. Go. And the force is unleashed. And then we do this. We bargain. We bargain with God. God, I'll serve you if God, I'll love you if you come through for me or, or you put an end to this. We bargain. And of course, something good happens. And here's the thing. Our hearts never change. You know what hearts never change? When you say, God, I'll serve you, lift. I'll love you if. Its foundation is I don't trust you. You're not good. So you're not trusting God, surrendering to God. All you and I are doing, we're just using God. I'm, I, I'm using you. Thank you for doing that because I don't trust you to do it in my way, my time. So I'm just going to take it from right here. And we bargain. The reason why this lie is so effective and the reason why this lie has lodged in your heart and my heart this morning and why we're anxious, discouraged, worried, thinking about your no Christian thing, or frankly, our Christian lives are apathetic and lame, is because at the end of the day, here's what our hearts believe. Our hearts believe that God wants to rule it, and that's absolutely true, the Bible says. But the lie that some can is we believe if we give ourselves utterly and totally to God, then he'll crush us. crush us life as we know it gone. that's why many of you have been riding the fence going i know i need to trust and fully surrender all but you're going but if i do that means end of life as i want it or know it and that lie has sunk deep into our That's why when you and I suffer on a loss, unanswered prayer, we go through trials. That's why when I suffer, I immediately think the worst of God. Why do I do that? Why do I immediately think worst of God? Why do I immediately go, God doesn't love me? God doesn't care for me? Why do I immediately do that? The reason is because deep in my heart is a belief system that says, I can't trust God. He can't be good because if he was, then why? So suffering in trials, instead of emboldening us and making us stronger, it crushes our spirits and we go, I'm done with God. And you know, the ironic thing is, when we come to God and go, God, I want to live the life you've meant for me. I want to live the life in abundance and fullness, God, that you've called me to do. God says, okay, then I need you to do one thing. 
And we go, I'll do anything, I'll do anything. But God goes, no, the one thing that you need to do, you're not willing to do. No, no, I will do anything. God says, the one thing I need you to do is stop saying, God, I'll serve you if. It's the one thing. What I need you to do is simply come and say, God, I will serve you, period. God, I will love you, period. God, I trust you and your goodness for me, period. Every day, every moment of our lives, the one thing that Satan comes and does, you can't trust him. If you do, he'll crush you. How do we do battle with his schemes? I'm going to get more specific about specific schemes that he uses next week and how to battle. But of course, as always, I want to end with the gospel and leave you with this. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. Thaddeus, come on up, please. It says, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. What does Paul say in terms of how we deal with the devil? Mumbo jumbo, saying in the name of this, in the name of that. You know what he says? The way to deal with the devil and his schemes is through repentance. And what is repentance? He says, God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Repentance is seeing the truth, is getting grip on truth. And by the way, truth has a name. Truth is a person. It's getting a grip on that name, getting a grip on that person. And it's Jesus. If you have been struggling, as I've been struggling with his lies and speculation, that fundamentally at its core, among all of these other things, the note that he loves to play is, if God was good, then why? If, if God was trustworthy, then why? I, I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with this. And this is the reason why I preach the way I do, church, okay? There was somebody who came centuries later that God said to him, if you obey me fully, I will crush you. If you surrender everything, and do exactly what I want you to do. If you obey me and trust me with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and don't hold anything back, I will crush you. I will actually send you to hell. One person. His name is Jesus. Do you know why he did that? By the way, you talk about serving God for nothing. You talk about loving God for nothing. Why did he do that? Why do that? Why did he do that? For who? Church, say with me, for who? For us? For him? For himself? For us? He obeys God, trusts God fully, gaining nothing out of it for us, being sent to hell for you and for me. Why? So that when you and I fully trust God and surrender to him, we're not crushed, we're not abandoned. We actually get to live the life that he talked about in John chapter 10. You go, I don't know if I can still trust him. Are you kidding me? On the cross, the Bible says in Romans 8, 
trials, tribulation, suffering, hardships, bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb is landing on him. And all he needed to do was one thing, one thing only to go, stop. Stop all the bombs from being dropped. One thing. All he had to do, get off to the cross and go, I'm done. That's it. That's all he had to do. Literally. That is all he had to do. To make it stop, (laughs) just get off of it. Why did he stay? Why did he stay? For who? Think for a moment. Do you think when all of hell and the wrath and justice of God didn't make him come out of the cross and abandon us, do you think you having a bad month is going to make him abandon you? Do you think you having a bad year is going to make him go, oh, we're done? Think. Well, if God was good, why wouldn't he answer these prayers? He gave his only son. That means if he doesn't answer your prayers, it's because he has something better. You can't trust God. Really, Satan? You're a fat liar and you're a murderer. I see the cross. I see the empty tomb. (laughs) There's only one way to live the Christian life. Church. Jesus said it. It's radical total abandonment. Radical, total abandonment. And yeah, that scares me. And I'm sure it scares you, but there's only one way to follow Jesus. And I'm telling you, the only thing that's keeping you and I from saying, I'm about that, is at the end of the day, God, Satan is going to do everything possible to keep you from saying, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I trust you. We thank you that we fight this battle, not for victory, but from victory. The, 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 the battle and the ending is not in doubt, will never be in doubt. He is a defeated Satan, is a defeated foe. He is a defeated enemy awaiting to be cast into eternal fire forever. And we as your people, God, stand up this morning and we declare we will not be afraid. We will not be insecure. We will not be skeptical. We will not doubt. We will not fail to trust in the work that was accomplished for us on the cross. And Lord, for those of us for whom this is just so new, so weird and so fresh, I continue to ask, Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, do only what you can do. 
even as you walk out of here Sunday after Sunday in a bit of a haze, a bit of a fog, not quite knowing what to make of it, I trust you, Holy Spirit, our ultimate teacher in truth. Show us what our next steps are. Show us how to respond in obedience to the truths that are going forth. For anybody that came today, and I'm serious, you feel like you're under spiritual attack. I want you to pray with the prayer team, somebody up here before you go. Isolation in your battle is what will kill you. Do not believe his lie that says you're all alone. Seek someone Go forth this week, brothers and sisters, church family. Wide alert and awake to the enemy, to the devil and his schemes. He appears to you as an angel of light with half-truths and lies. Guard your heart and your mind with truth. Jesus Christ is truth. Stand firm, put on the armor, for the battle is the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, and all God's people said, amen. Hey, we'll see you back here next week as we continue our journey. Have a great week, you guys.